Hi, I'm Kylie Wongrowski, and you're listening to your Midwest Garden Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Scott and Mike, and the hello. guest. Yeah, say hello. Yes, I'm, I'm not the guest, I'm Mike. I know, but we're reversing this. You usually tell me to say hello. Okay. I got you this time. You did. Hey, we've hit the road, so we're, we've been to Pumpkin Farm. Right. A Christmas tree farm. Right. And now where are we? We're, you know what, we're in, well, technically this is Pemberville, but it's actually closer to Lucky, Ohio. Now, Kylie Wongrowski, who owns, well, basically she's in charge of a lavender farm that's out here that I think is really wild. We'll let her explain a little bit more. Yeah. But in route here, Scott, did you see any moo cows or pigs on the way from no, the pig? We're, we're from going the, back from the to pumpkin the pumpkin farm. farm. Did you see any? Not there. But okay, okay. Now, did you have... see any over at the, the Christmas tree farm? No, we didn't. All right, see all right. Now, you didn't see any there. But what you're, did you're... we see at the pumpkin farm where I proved you wrong and there were animals there? You, well, you were like, there are going to be no pumpkin or animals at a pumpkin farm and. Cha-ching, they were chickens. Well, yeah, well, now that's what I was going to relate and to. And I didn't cheat with dogs or cats. They were actual farm-type well, animals. Well, we got a couple of ladies over here that want to see you. You're, yes. you're, you're, a, you're a whiz. I mean, there's about four of them. Now, they have this, this, this dude that watches over them. He's a little domineering, and he's controlling. I don't know. He has a name. Mr. Mr. Rooster? Mr. Rooster chased me out of the, the, the back of his property. So I'm going to ask Kylie what... The, the whole deal is with that. Now, there's moo cows back there, too. Yeah, I know, but I was busy setting up while you were got the grand tour. Well, I, you know, I'm privileged. And, the, and these, It is called Michael young... Rourke, the Garden Guy, in your Midwest Pod and Garden Podcast. Yeah, I'm going to change Scott your name. With Scott Sandstrom. I know you did. <laughs> I'm going to change your name. You're going to change it real quick. <laughs> so, before we get started, do you have any updates from yeah. previous shows? The previous shows, we've been discussing, you know, what time, what, what to look forward to as far as, or not to look forward to, uh, things that are going to come your way early to mid-summer. Generally, I, I got to tell you, we're doing this in midsummer, and I don't know of too many people that have had standing water in their backyards in middle of July, first part of August. Uh, and why is that? That's because we've had the 40 days and 40 nights worth of rain. That 40 days and 40 nights worth of rain, I mean, this is biblical. Uh, you can blame it on whatever you want. I mean, our ancestors basically survived by dealing with it. So let's not complain about it. Let's deal with it. You're going to see ugly-looking things coming up. We've got people calling and asking already. In the middle of their garden, their vegetable garden, or even their flower garden up front where it's so beautiful, but it looks like a dog vomited there. Yeah, the mushroom. Well, it's it's like a quadrillion mushrooms, but it's called right. it's called dog vomit mold. And it's because of the excessive moisture and rain and heat. Um, there's a, a number of different ones. We've had mushrooms popping up in pe- people's lawns. Oh, ever since I've had that lawn service, I've never had mushrooms, but now I do. They had to bring them in. No, they didn't bring them in. You know what's down there is decomposing organic matter. Now, with the 42 days and 42 nights worth of rain, it helped to accelerate that decomposition, and all that organic matter is going to percolate up to the soil surface and give you a mushroom cap or some other ugly-looking types of mushrooms. The thing that I'm going to recommend is don't listen to anybody that's going to tell you which ones are good to eat and which ones aren't. Next-door neighbor's dog, he was tripping, literally tripping. He ate a red cap mushroom um, and took him to the vet, and we didn't know what was wrong with it, nor did the neighbors. And he said, this dog is going through some type of an LSD trip, and it came directly from the mushroom. Um, I don't know if it was a psilocybin mushroom or not, but I know that that dog was in the, the, the doggy hospital for three days 
And they finally brought him back, but, you know, he's got a you know, stigma and a reputation. The lady came into the store yesterday. She had pictures of at least seven different types of mushrooms in her backyard where her dog was. Saw pretty much the same story you did and was just like, whoa, I need these. Can I keep my dog away from these? And The only thing said, that yeah. we can recommend to use, there's no chemical on the market to control it. And if anybody says there is, I mean, that's a snake oil. I guarantee you, haven't talked to me. The only thing that you can't control it, if you're into golfing, use the pitching wedge. If you stink at golfing, use the pitching wedge. If you don't even you know, know of anybody that golfs, use a shovel like a pitching wedge. Use a baseball bat. Just knock them over. I mean, and, and squish them. Now, don't squish them to the point where you're going to slide and you're going to fall on your keister. I just want to make sure it's not appealing to the dog to go out there and eat either that right, or, right. or pick them up and, and throw them away. It's so wet that I shut the irrigation system off completely. Oh, if at, something happens, you're going to blame center. me. You know that? Yeah, I'll blame you. I know you will. It's, well, anyhow, yeah. yeah, that's the update. We're going to have an acceleration on nuts edge. It's going to be growing or any type of midsummer weed. And I'm calling it a weed, and it's not a good weed. So the definition of a weed is anything that you do not want in your yard. But where are we right now? I'm going to segue from anything that you don't want to what you do want. We're, I'm looking at a beautiful farmland full of we're, some lavender We're in a lucky flowers. place. Lucky place. What's it's, it called? We're lucky to be here. What is it called? Lucky Road Lavender Farm. Yes. And who is the proprietor? I'm going to let you take care of well, all okay. that stuff. I happen to be with a lady right now that has done some extraordinary things with some farmland out in, actually, it's technically Pemberville, and it's called Lucky Road Lavender Farm, but it's closer to what, what she calls Lucky Ohio, and I don't understand it, but I'm going to introduce you to Kylie Wongrowski. She's the proprietor of the Lucky Road Lavender Farm. Hello, Kylie. Hello. Now, I, have, I, I, we, I want to bring, Scott is holding my ankles to the vice. We've got to know more than just the lavender farm. What is going on here today? We've got a bunch of people pulling in. <laughs> we do. So um, we have a wood-fired pizza oven that's going to be serving pizza tonight uh, to any of our guests who are coming to UPIC. Um, the tent we're sitting under, we're actually going to be hosting a class tonight. I'm going to be teaching how to make uh, lavender crowns. Crowns. Crowns, yep. Just a little crown made out of lavender. and then We're a... going back to the 60s. This is wild. Okay. <laughs> and then we have a professional photographer that will take your photo after you've made your crown in the lavender. So we're, now, you, is there any aesthetic purpose or is there like a remedial purpose for the crown? Or is it, this is so neat. This is what Girl Scouts did and what now <laughs> Secure Boy Scouts can do is just make the crown, put it on your forehead and go from there. Yeah, just to have some fun and enjoy it and have a nice photo. We've had um, moms and daughters. We've had a maternity shoot out here with that. We've had some... Older ladies who wanted to have it as like one of their photos to be remembered by. It was very cool. Careful. What do you consider older? <laughs> well, they called themselves that. Yeah. So. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Well, well, anyhow, now yeah, you started all this with just one idea, spearheaded, right? What was yeah. that idea? I originally just wanted to be a wholesaler. I wanted to grow some lavender to be able to sell to uh, local companies. My first um, customer was Bucci Mamas. She makes kombucha out yes. of Toledo. Uh, and she, she said, you know, kept me busy for a few years. And then I wanted to expand a bit because I thought, well, I could get into coffee shops and other breweries in the area, things like that. And then it finally worked and I had way more lavender than I could have ever sold in the wholesale scale, right. um, as one person farming. My husband does help me farm as well, but, um, this is kind of my part of it, but, um, and so we thought, well, let's have you pick. Um, and in last year, there wasn't a lot of things pe people felt like they could do in a safe way. Because of COVID. Yeah. And yeah. so we thought, well, let's just see how this goes and open up the farm for you pick. And it has been way better than my now, original have, have idea. Have you brought families into that too? I mean, what, what Scott and his family have noticed, his wife 
is a, a well proprietor. They own a garden center in Toledo and in Perrysburg, Ohio, Northwest Ohio, Southeast Michigan. And they've noticed that families were coming in. Sure, they were all protected overtly, but they were going in and getting seeds. They were going in and getting plants. They were going out. We're going to work outside. We're going to reintroduce ourselves to Mother Nature. Are you noticing that is carrying over from the COVID period? Absolutely. I think that, you know, last year it really was apparent that people who had never tried something like this came out to try it. Uh-huh. And then now they're they're repeating. And then also I think it has carried over and people are interested more in the plants themselves. Okay. Well, now the being that this is being repeated, um, this is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I noticed that you have a multitude of different lavenders out there. Now, when I was in the industry, we only sold two of them. <laughs> one was called Hyde Coat. The other one was called, what was the name? You you, you, you said it? The, the, Munstead. No, Munstead and Hyde. Oh, well, you called it Hidcoat. I did call it Hidcoat. Hidcoat, and I called it Hidecoat. What's the proper pronunciation? Do I don't. You, do you know, Scott? I, we could both be correct. I actually don't know. I've heard it both Me, ways at lavender it? conferences and things like that. Okay, I think so it's a, we'll, we'll call it Hidecoat. Tomato. <laughs> okay, but those were the only two, Munstead and Hidecoat or Hidecoat. Right. Now, you've got how many varieties out there now? Uh, five. Five different varieties. Each one has its own special characteristic, right? Yep. Yep. It, what it, could you go in, into detail as to what they are? Absolutely. So I, I planted the five different varieties for a lot of reasons. Some of them are showier. So the Phenomenal Lavender is a big producer. They're huge. I mean, some of those plants out there are close to four feet around. Um, but I also did it for bloom time. So I had a longer season where people were able to come and visit now at this point, since that's what we're doing, um, that we can extend it from four weeks to maybe six weeks. Um, I have two varieties that I would call culinary, um, which is seeing a kind of a, a lot more people than I thought would be interested in that. I knew that I was interested in it from a standpoint of selling culinary lavender to, you know, coffee shops and breweries and things, but people individually are being more interested than I thought they would be. Okay. For those of us who would have to look up the definition of culinary. By the way, that's spelled C-U-L-L-I-N-A-R-Y. That means edible? Edible. Edible. What is the benefit of edible on this versus the other lavender? So technically all edible, just for a quick... All of it's edible? Technically all except for Spanish lavender, which I don't have any of that. Okay. And you can't eat that, but you won't like it. But these are all technically edible, but these are more desirable for cooking, baking. Has less of the... Uh, if you were to go out and taste the what I would call craft lavender, which would be the non-culinary, it has a real upfront camphor taste, real kind of bites you right off the bat. The others, they're much softer, much um, much more friendly in a in a drink or a baking. Do you squeeze it in the oil for the oils to go ahead and then put into, like you said, a drink? Now Scott was doing something mm-hmm. with peppers, um, and he's he's not an acquired. He's an he's an expert on margaritas and mm-hmm. tequila. I mean, when it comes to that, he knows his tequilas, he knows his margaritas, and he knows we had a conversation with a lady out of uh, Connecticut yep. that used peppers uh, to mix in midsummer drinks. And he was going, well, you did that also. Yeah. But now we're talking, you can do that with some of the culinary? Yeah, so I've made a simple syrup that I've actually used in margaritas, um, and we use that same simple syrup in coffees and things like that, but yeah, we have. Are there benefits to this? I mean, as far as health-wise, or is it just that, cool, we're going to try something different? I mean, so... Oh, you did the few-do first. No. <laughs> so the infusion itself is going to bring over, you know, the properties of lavender. But, you know, I think for me, it's more of the way that it tastes, and it's something a little different. I like herby drinks. I like, you know, um, more... Um, savory recipes, things like that. And this kind of like really goes along with that to me. It's not really sweet, but when we make like a simple syrup, it goes great in a margarita. Yeah, again, we're with Kylie Wongrowski of, uh, well, their Lucky Road Lavender Farm, where we're closer to Pemberville. 
I mean, closer to Lucky Road, but she said that we're actually in Pemberville. How was that working out? Well, we wanted to get the mail, so they, get, you oh, have to have the nearest town. <laughs> Green Acres is the place to be. Okay, this is wild. I, I think this. So yeah, can we, go can, ahead. Can I go. pop in for yes, a second? Scott, can, can, Scott Sandstrom's coming in, folks. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. Can we get a scope of where, how many plants you started with, where you're at now, how long that has taken, and what you've done to educate yourself? Yeah, so I've learned a lot in the five years that I have been doing this. The first year I bought 12 plants, um, one-gallon-sized plants, and I put them in in the fall with a very thin weed barrier, and then I mulched them. And I would not do any of those things ever again. again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because the mulch did what? It just held that, held that moisture right to the root and killed them. On, I mean, a lot of things probably could have. I didn't do a lot of things right that year. Um, but it was a trial and error. Absolutely. Um, and I have never done a fall planting since. I will admit, in my scope of things, I have not been able to make that go. Um, I do So I do a spring planting. That's been a lot better for me. You find that spring is easier for the root base, or is it for the whole plant? For the whole plant. By the time they get to the winter, I find that that is what is going, is, is better for my... Okay. Okay. What I'm they doing here. They easier because they've yep. already got a strong root base started. That's right. Uh, all right. Now, you said, that, how many plants did you start out again? So 12, um, and we're at 850 right now. I mean, if you were to take a look right now, we've got some that are four feet tall, some mm -hmm. that are only a foot and a half. Please explain. I mean, I mean, certain ones, characteristics, do you, do you purchase them for their height or for what they produce, like the lavender flower or both, or what is it? So both, um, and, and the different variety, I wanted to have different varieties for people to be able to see what, that there are different varieties, first of all, and then second, that, you know, some of them are going to be my more craft varieties. So I use those when I'm selling bundles to people for their weddings, for example. They dry wonderful, they have a nice long stem, they look beautiful. Um, we do get a, a lot of people using them in dried bundles for their weddings. Do you supply florists also? Um, no, but I think I'm going to try to next year, um, because I will have an abundance left Last year, we sold out of all of the lavender by the end of the season. Everybody picked every last stem last year. That's beautiful. Yeah. That, I mean, that really is. I mean, and how many years have you been doing this? Well, five total, two years for the U-Pick. So normally they say about seven to ten years before you start noticing that you're getting any gains going from something new. You've started noticing this while COVID came in, which mm -hmm. was not necessarily a good thing for any human being or anything living, but uh, it, it was good for getting people outdoors into the fresh air and to come over here. Uh, now, other than culinary aspects, what other benefit is there of this? I mean, I'm looking right now. You can see we're walking in the in, amid the uh, the bees, the hummingbird moths, the butterflies, and all of this. You've got pollinators in there. Lots, lots of pollinators. Now, have you had that prior to you bringing these in? Not necessarily. Um, I I wanted that for a lot of reasons, you know, in choosing a crop. Um, and I actually had someone ask me the other day, you know, why lavender? Well. The soil itself would lend itself to that. It's a very rocky, shallow, sandy patch of soil that we have out here amongst all of the rest of the, you know, Hoytville clay that the rest of us have. Um, <laughs> but the, um, the, so that itself. And then, you know, by nature, it, it doesn't really have anything that's interested in ruining it or, or eating it or bothering it in any way. Um, the only yeah. thing that I've had trouble with is is maybe a mole got curious here or there. But um, you, went in, you have moles in this clay? Well, so this part isn't clay. This is all sand, and I make them a really nice little home under that weed barrier in the winter. They, oh, they like it under there. Well, and they're they're well, they but they're not eating the roots, are they? 
once we had a little trouble, but they haven't. They must have thought they didn't like it. Now, do you on. find that the moles a benefit to a degree because they're they basically eat the insects that are below the soil surface, like grubworms, um, but not as many. They eat earthworms, but they also aerate the soil. Is that something that's benefiting that rocky area that you've got these things growing in? I don't know that I've noticed that I would call it a benefit. Um, I've had more of things that I've had to do to kind of solve the the little burrows that they make through the through my aisleways. But the ankle breakers, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Runways and more of a tourist area. You know, if it were just me, I didn't. I actually, you just taught me something about the moles. I didn't know that. What was that you learned? I, I didn't know that they ate the bugs underneath the surface. Oh, you didn't. Oh. I didn't. Oh well. Well, I like them a little better now. I told you this place was this. Your Midwest garden was a benefit. <laughs> like them just a little bit better now. Well, so uh, can I add something here? So lavender, well, maybe. lavender. I'm going to anyway. I can edit you out really. Yeah, you can. <laughs> so, Boom. but your one question is lavender is just so popular amongst the ladies and it's it's very calming peaceful that she even has yoga classes here i do it's true right out, out there in the right yoga, out there. i mean in the in the lavender farm in the yep. field in the field really yeah do you ever video that you know what we um get their permission to sign a permission should, slip and then you put that on youtube <laughs> what do you play music while you're doing it? we do we do i'm not the instructor i have a professional do that um God, but that's <laughs> ingenious <laughs> it was you know what and we because of the 40 days and 40 nights we have had one class so far um it, we had 20 people that tried it that first night and i've sold lots of tickets we just keep getting rained out but this week we're gonna do it again now do you do the yoga also i do i participate yes now, do you get both men and women involved in yep. the yoga also? Yep, absolutely. I'll, I'll be darned. Now, usually when you have a, what's a packed house? I mean, consistent. Well, you know, I honestly, for, for yoga itself, I don't, I, we can accommodate a lot more than 20. I do know that. You do 20 plus? We did, because you can go down the rows. She's got a little microphone. And I honestly, I was in one of these back rows by myself out of the way. And I can just hear it and you participate. And it's, it was wonderful being between two rows of lavender and bloom. What kind of music you play? She picked a playlist, very heavy, peaceful. Heavy metal, grunge rock, you know, all those Aerosmith. calming pieces. I mean, this is older dude stuff. But so, uh, you, you, you know how I always do homework yeah. on these subjects because I'm the newbie. I'm the weekend warrior. So uh, looking at pictures of other lavender farms and looking at this one, they, even some of the you pick ones, I notice she still has grass growing in between the lanes of the rows of the lavender. Everybody else kind of like cuts it away or just it's all felt or, you know, uh, whatever, roll, you know, roll paper. Mm -hmm. But this is so much prettier with the grass, even though, you know, it's probably a little bit more work to weed out certain ones that come in to try to grab onto the plant root structure. But that's just so much prettier and it works so much better with what she's doing with the photography and the yoga classes. I mean, that's. So much nicer looking. I think I think it might be also kind of a weed barrier that she's created by having a thick turf there. Exactly. So, I mean, it's a great pathway. It's great for your yoga. Do they bring their own? No, I'm not a yoga person. Um, I'm, I'm, you can start you tonight. Can no, I'm not going to start. But Thursday I, at 7.30. <laughs> Thursday, 7.30. Okay, can you bring your own music? Let's just tell them it's tonight and have them ball no, by but I'm, I'm just. Do they bring a blanket or something? To, uh, you bring a yoga mat. Um, and Is that a blanket? It, well, it's. Yeah, I mean, it's what they use. It kind of has, I don't know, it's not rubbery, but it kind of gives a little grip to it. So when you're doing the actual yoga, you've got something to okay. not a slip and slide. keep you in place. Yeah. Well, I, I'm noticing the furrows. Like you said, they are grass, and it is. Yes. It is maintained beautifully, and I mean the color. There's different hues of lavender. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, 
for maintenance on this, you've, I noticed you got a little bit of irrigation. You explained earlier to me why. I know that they like it arid and dry. They do. But you had, like you said, well, I'll let you carry on. With yeah, that. so I, in the beginning, so when I get them established, I have to give them some water in the first few weeks. If the weather doesn't cooperate with that, I do run a drip line through the irrigation. And honestly, it was a pretty inexpensive way to do that. And so it's worth having it, even if I use it a few times a year. Um, but also, I've had a few emergencies, I would say, where it just got to be too long where they needed a little bit of a drink in years past. Obviously that didn't happen this year, but, um, where I had to irrigate a few times. Um, and I will, I will ramp up a little, and again, it's a drip line. So I have to run it for like, you know, hours, days for it to even really Are you soak using, anything. You're using your well water I out am. here, right? I am. All right. So you're directly connected to a well. Now, is there any mineral, a lot of mineral in this or is it just what um, kind of water is it? You know, I don't. Is it sweet? I don't know if I know the answer to that. It's the what we use in our home, so it's been tested oh, well, to be drinkable water. Yeah. So, all right, it's potable. C- can uh, I can I add something that I learned for other newbies? I, you know, you are dangerous. <laughs> I'm very dangerous. That lavender can split easy, so they don't like overhead water. So the drip irrigation is the key. Yep. Uh, now say that again, and I mean honestly. Now people generally, uh, how many rookies are out there? Just, I mean, you're, just me. Come on, Scott. You know better than that. There's a boatload of them and that they want to go into doing this. Yeah. So basically, explain that again. So lavender plants split easy. like Well, well they grow into like a big crown. Yeah, big. Mm-hmm. so it's easy to fall one way or the other or just split down the middle, which I assume is not healthy for the plant yep, after right. that happens. Yep. So you need to water from underneath, kind of like a hanging basket. What did it do with the 40 days and 40 nights worth of rain here? You know, the plants got really heavy. I'm a little concerned with some of them um, with the way that it just weighed down the plant and split, just like you were saying. I didn't have any that I would say split truly in that they were going to break the actual stems at the base or um, or lay flat. They seem to be in this last couple of days of sunshine coming back to what they're right. supposed so to be. So you did see them start to split. Oh, gosh, yeah. I could barely get between the rows. They now, were is that because flat. of the rain or was it because you were getting too much of a top growth and not enough, not a strong enough top growth to secure it? I've never had that problem before. Um, so even my four-foot plants have always stayed in a nice, even... Nice, okay. But those lavender buds were at peak bloom, so they're all open, and they just held that water and just... Just fell to the side. Darned. Okay, mm-hmm. but so you you basically saved them. Okay, Scott's got another question. I got, I got Go. another. Qu- Go because my memory is so short. I have to whip these. Uh, out you've got a short memory so problem. So w- one of the things I remember about the splitting is is because I'm going to compare them a little bit to mums that they. That's don't, a good analogy. That they don't like. They don't like to be split in half to like uh, populate them or. There's no extra harvesting. Yes, Yes. there's no extra harvesting because they don't like that at all, correct? Correct. Okay, so that's why you don't want the overhead rain because then you basically can't save that plant. Hey, hey, we're recording. (laughs) Chickens are laughing at me. He he was just, that that was a laugh. (laughs) That was that rooster that invited me out. Saying hello. There's there's that new guy (laughs) pretending he knows something. Well, we noticed that you got about 4,200 scissors here. (laughs) Yes, that's for the class tonight and for people when they're coming out to do U-Pick. Now, my question is, is this strictly for like making a bouquet or the crown like you were talking about? Or do you cut and can you reroute? Is that the whole intent there? So the intent is to take the bundle home with you. Um, I do not. So if we were going to reroute the plant, we would do that before they would bloom. 
um, and it's not my area of expertise, but you would um, have taken a few classes on propagation, um, but you would want to do that before it shoots any stems for the season. Yeah. Do you use any rooting compound? Have you ever done it before? In the I'm, class that I took, yes, they did. I did. I have not tried it here. I don't have a greenhouse space. Well, here's the question yet. that I yet. have for everybody. Yet. Not yeah. She's going gung ho. This has got beautiful. This is beautiful. Again, we're with Kylie Wongrowski. Now, this is Lucky Road Lavender Farm. But my question at the lavender farm is to go ahead and propagate. I mean, do you just sell the whole plants, or do you teach people how to propagate by saying the nasty word split? And then, you know, pop it out of the ground. So if I'm going to, if people are interested in buying plants, I have a plant sale in the beginning of the season. So I will sell what actually has been so far the remainder of my wholesale order that didn't go into the ground that I didn't have room for. Um, but I had a lot more interest in people having their own plants this year that I will likely sell plants next year. But I do not, I, I'm not an expert on propagation, so I wouldn't hold a class on that until I am. And but you're you're anticipating or speculating that you are going to learn and share the wealth. Yes, um, there are a few varieties out here. One of which is um, is licensed, so I will not be propagating that. But okay. the others, I would be. Are you looking at to. hybriding and cloning your own? No, I've never. I've I know of a few farmers who have done something like that, um, but I am not. You're not. You're not going that direction. Right. All right. I I just oh oh we've got a oh smoke. That's that's that pizza grill. It is the pizza grill. Now, okay. I can't wait to see. Just, just go off in right field a little bit. What's the temperature got to be on a pizza grill? She said like 900 degrees. Oh, she's cooking. Is she cooking with wood? Yes. Hey, we'd like to thank Black Diamond Garden Centers for sponsoring your Midwest garden. We record this podcast on site at the Toledo location. Amidst all the smells of budding flowers, the manures, the chicken schmutz, you name it. If you're in the Toledo or Perrysburg, Ohio area, please stop by either Black Diamond location for all your gardening needs. And remember, ask someone who knows. Again, this is Michael Rourke, the garden guy with, uh, well, Scott Sandstrom. So, Scott. He is so, Scott. But anyways, <laughs> it's your Midwest Garden Podcast. We're with Kylie Wagrowski. Now, it's Wongrowski, W-O-N-G-R-O-W-S-K-I. Um, I hope I pronounced that right. You did. Okay, thank you. And she is actually the lavender queen of, I would say, Northwest Ohio, Southeast Michigan. And the reason that I'm calling her that is because this lady's giving me information, and I think we can share this with everybody that's listening out there. Uh, if you're frightened or apprehensive about trying to start this, don't be. She's already gone through all of the mistakes. She's more than willing to share them with you. And this but, isn't just a farming. This is like an event center, too, which is really cool. This is wild. I mean, they do yoga among the, uh, the, the, the lavender. Photo ops. The lavendula, if you wanted to be botanically. What? They have photo ops. Yeah, photographers rent the field to do their own photography during the week when we're not doing you pick. You're kidding me. Every night of the week, we're busy. No, so you're taking one item and then opening it up to a various groups of other entrepreneurs. It's just multifaceted. Exactly. Kylie, what, what, you get questions all the time. Yes. I mean, you get asked, what am I doing wrong? Why can you grow it like a weed and why can't I? Well, can you share the wealth? Yeah, so the first thing is that once, you know, your what I would consider to be your junkiest patch of soil in your yard, full sun. Seriously. Um, it doesn't want all Gravel? of the, yeah, absolutely. I have some friends who are lavender farmers in the Virginia area that don't use soil at all. They have strictly planted their lavender into gravel. Cool. Yeah, very cool. And she's seen great success with it. Um, I have not done that here, um, but we have a very rocky, very sandy soil out there. Um, and so I would say if you have clay soil, like a lot of us have, or if you have a, just a nice patch that you're planning to put this in, 
get a bunch of rocks, get some sand, mix it in. So you're going to take the size of your plant, whatever it's going to be, right? So, you know, if it's going to be a 36-inch plant, if you're going to do... At like, full growth, not yes, 36 inches. You're not going to haul growth, a 36-inch plant Pick in. your full growth and then take the, the area that you're going to do that, mix in sand and rocks into that area. Would that be considered the drip line, 36 inches? I mean, even though you got yourself a four-and-a-half-inch pot lavender... Yeah. Eventually, it's going to get 36 inches in diameter. So mm-hmm. you dig out 36 inches, and then you throw your rocks, your sand, your yep. gravel, everything in Mix there. Mix it all in there. No kidding. Yep. And then put your lavender in there. Make sure it's full sun. And then when it's, depending on when you're planting it, like I said, I'll only plant, I mean, the latest I will go is probably second, third week into June for me, for my purposes. For planting. For me. Mm-hmm. Now, you can probably go a little bit longer. If you're going to be the one, you know, taking care of less than 850, you could probably go for it. Um, but you're going to want to irrigate it probably a week or two if it doesn't rain, maybe once a night. And you don't want to soak it from the top like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, just give it a little drink on the side. Um, but then after that, let it go. Don't don't keep watering it and watering it. I would let it, if it were me here, by, by my lessons here, <laughs> um, I would say that I, I let it go at least 10 days Without rain or water before I will give it to it so again. So we could be in the hottest parts of June and July. Normally, it would be, you know, <laughs> drought riddled. And so you could leave it alone without giving them a drink and they're not going to show any signs of stress. Right. Correct. Correct. Now, what the, the sign of stress that you would want to look for, if you've got a full grown plant, what you're going to look for is that yesterday it was a nice round dome. Right. And today the the... The purple part, you know, the ends, the buds are starting yeah. just to kind of sag a little bit. They just don't look quite what, as pleased as they were. That? Yeah. So they need a little water. Really? Mm-hmm. So they're going to tell you when they need a drink. And just when you say a little bit, you're saying really a little, not really sit little. there and drown it. Correct. You got now, it. Now, Scott had asked a question, and he said, you know, well, while she's out there helping the lady with the pizza oven, i got to ask you this. Let's, let's try and trap her. Well, <laughs> Scott, we're at her place. No, seriously. She said that she planted them in the winter, let them over winter, and, and it screwed them up. Isn't snow an insulator? And I said, aha, it is. Let's trap the lady. <laughs> what? You said that you didn't have any success on that. So it can be. It can be a great insulator, and it can work wonderfully. Um, I have the way the, the direction of the wind here at the farm. I have a bit of a break over here um, that I am taking care of, but, you know, wind breaks grow, grow a little bit slower than I'd like them to, um, that will take the first, get a couple problems. One, it'll take the snow off the plant, and then my insulation's gone. Or two... The first few mm. years, I had a lot, we had a lot of cycling. So it would snow, and then it would warm up, and then it would melt, yeah. and then it would snow so you and get freeze. Insurgence of growth again, and then it would freeze, and it shocked the heck out of the awaken, plant. Right. So that, cy- that cycling, it just can't handle that. So you call it cycling in the farm industry. I, I just said it confuses the plants, but you're absolutely correct. I mean, it, they're starting to sap upward, and then they go ahead and go into a dormancy. Two months of that, it, it can knock them out. Hey, so there's you- Scott. She's not the one that screwed up. <laughs> But snow does make a great insulator in a lot of places, and it can work here too, but it needs to stay. You said a windbreak. Yep. Now, yeah. Now, I'm noticing over here, you've got like a couple hundred feet, maybe a couple thousand feet of a bunch of trees mm-hmm. that are in the southern, western, southwestern portion of the property. Does that give you enough of a windbreak? I mean, these are 60-foot trees. Are they going to give you enough of a windbreak to protect your lavender? They are wonderful for the majority of the field, but if you look and see the little corner there where there's opening that between my windbreak and my neighbor's windbreak, that's right. always a problem. Creates, yep, it creates a wind tunnel that just kind of pulls through and sweeps. So a lot, a lot of lavender farmers will use um, a fabric called Rime, and they will cover their lavender with it. It's breathable, kind of a white fabric um, that I have seen a lot of people use. But with my wind, I can't. 
there's no way I could make that stay at current. Well, the standard homeowner can do that too. Standard gardener is called vegetable and garden screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a it's a white fabric, porous as heck, sunlight, air, and moisture get into it, but it also diverts the direct winds and it prevents insects, early insects, from coming on board. Yep. So now that's a plus. Well, now she answered basically two of the questions that I had. Scott, this lady's getting busier and busier as as we talk. Yeah, we what? need to wrap this up a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Do you have any questions? Well, we, maybe we need to just touch on insects a little bit for those people that are learning. I mean, we kind of talked about the mole underneath. Well, yeah, we talked but the that's benefit the of the, popu- the pollinators. But I'm not, I mean, and it's filled with pollinators. We yeah. saw the hummingbird moths. We saw the bumblebees. But we saw the honeybees. I wanted saw- to talk about troublesome insects. Well, that's where I'm had. going to, but because I don't think there is a an insect. There are? No, I don't think there's any insects yeah. that prefer that, want to eat that plant. In fact, it repels insects. Yes, so in my experience insects. in our area, I have not had any insect pressure that has been detrimental to me. Um, and, and, and I can't think of any that in the conferences that I go to and things like that where there is anyone around the country that has that issue either. Um, I mean, would you recommend putting lavender in among, let's say, the gardeners? There's a vast difference between a gardener and a farmer. A farmer, well, we'll go into that a little bit later versus a gardener. Gardeners are out there. They're tending to everything the same way. But farmers are not tending to everything the same way. They let them take their own course. It's why, you know, you got, you know, kids that play football grow up to be NFL players because they were corn-fed farm kids <laughs> now, and they were let to go to do their own thing. But in this case, the lavender doesn't have any uh, predators, does it? Correct. Not in my experience in our area. And, and like I said, in, in the conferences I go to, I haven't heard of anyone that has anything that's a natural predator to it that, that gives that pressure. You don't have a problem with deer either, do you? With what? Deer? No, no. Nope. I mean, I'm sure you have deer out here. Yes. But they don't come out here and nibble and eat. And... No, they do not. They I'm, do I'm not. pretty amazed at what's going on here. Just to leave it alone. The attitude is let it grow, let it take its own course. So when we were talking off mic with the farmer versus gardener difference and the, her best advice basically was be a farmer, just let it go, ignore it a little bit, almost like a succulent. Right. Don't overdo it. And just, it'll it, take its own course. Where gardeners like to, you know, <laughs> manicure, pick man- the weeds, yes. let them take their own yeah. course. And, you asked. And they baby it too much. And that's why it. Yes. Fails. And that's my first question when they say like, what's going on, what's happening. And it's like, well, are you a gardener? Do you have it in your garden? And usually it's yes, because of course, you know, it's beautiful. It's, it's fun to have as an herb in your garden. Um, and then, you know, then that leads us to the next points of, you know, you may want to exclude it from your, or you should exclude it from. The rest of the tomato from, garden. You absolutely. Keep it. You could, you know, if you have it in that general area and that's fine, but you don't want to have it in your, your, your well, nightly yeah. watering or any of those things. Um, you right. know, and another thing that I forgot earlier with the, the lavender too, that a lot of people have trouble with. Um, when we were talking about the plant spreading or laying down or things like that, you want to make sure that even if it is in your landscaping, you are trimming it up at the end of the season um, because it will get leggy or it will get what I would call leggy where it just start laying all over the place and it shortens the life of the plant. So it keeps it nice and compact. How, how long will one of these last uh, on an average? It should be but around 8 to 10 years. Wow. It should be. Um, you how know. far down do you cut them down in the fall? So I will go, so when you have your stem. He's like you. Right so. above, <laughs> right above, you'll see like the base of your plant is all uh, a concentration of leaves. I will leave probably an inch to two inches above that. Uh, you know, when you cut the, the stem off, cut off the, the remainder of the plant mm-hmm. um, and with the buds on it. And then um, I will do that pretty early though. You don't want to be anywhere near a frost before when you're doing that. Will it rebound from the crown? Um, depending on the type. 
Ah, okay. What's so, the easiest to start with? I'm going to hit that up real quick. I mean, easiest that I've had to grow out the, here? Yeah, for the starter. Munstead. Munstead. Um, an English lavender. If you're going to, you know, a garden center kind of thing, that would be an English would okay. be. It, that one has done well for me. It's a it's a little bit goofy, but um, in that it doesn't get real compact, kind of does its own thing, but it's yeah. beautiful. I've got one more before we wrap up. And as far as a U-cut place, is there any preference on when folks come in and... I mean, you don't want to decimate one of these. Do you give instructions of like, please take some off the left side of this row or, you know, balance it out as you cut for me? So the lavender itself, um, because it needs to be trimmed by the end of the season, I don't I don't say like this side or that side or this row or that row. It, it's okay to let it be like, you know, this half got cut on this right half got cut on Monday and it's not going to get, you know, it, it, it doesn't have any trouble with any of that. Um, but I do give instruction on where to clip it back so that you're not hurting the plant. You're not leaving dead cane. We used to call it cane on rose bushes or trees. And I'm sure being that this is not a bush, but it's a perennial flower. When you cut, you're going to leave a dead stalk if you cut it the wrong way. Do you have to do it? At- if you cut it too short, it will it will kill this that one yeah, that right. one stalk stem. Well, okay. We are right now with Kylie Wongrowski at Lucky Road Lavender Farm. But this lavender farm does a lot more than just lavender farming. So in closing, what else does this lavender farm do, Kylie? So we hold classes here at the farm. We do lavender crown making classes. I'm going to be doing wreath making classes here, um, more crafty kind of things. Um, We hold yoga. We are hoping to hold Pilates next season. Um, We have food trucks out here um, along with the U-Pick every time. So we have coffee on Saturdays. um, What kind of coffee have? So kickback coffee is a... Toledo food truck. Um, yeah. She comes down and she has all Whoa. different kinds of coffee. I'm going to drum the Pemberville of Lucky How to get myself some kickback you coffee. You should. She has delicious coffee and she makes uh, breakfast burritos and has all kinds of baked goods and things. It's wonderful. The food truck thing is really cool for someone like me, um, you know, because they can bring everything that they offer mobily right yeah. here, you yeah. know, so um, which is wonderful. And then um, we do offer the fields to photographers to use for their private photography. We've been hosting, we had over 40. Um, photographers this year use it for their mini sessions where they take pictures of families or maternity photos or engagements, wow. things like that. That is so cool. Yeah. Now you said you did Pilates also? Yeah, we're hoping to next year. For, for next year. Mm-hmm. Social media, where are you guys at? Yep, How so, can people check you out and what you're doing so maybe they could start a similar plan? Now. Yeah. So my website is Lucky Lavender, L-U-C-K-E-Y Lavender.com. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I'm always open to any of those, you know, communications through email, any of that. I'm always happy to help if you're wanting to know about Lavender, if you want to visit, if you have a great idea and you want to host something out here. I love that even more. Um, But those would be the three ways to find me. Do you have anything seasonally coming on? I mean, like, do you do things like Fourth of July? Do you do things Labor Day? Do you do things Halloween? Do you do things Thanksgiving or just stop at like Halloween or even... So our, our season is six to eight weeks um, in the summertime. I'll start early June and we'll go through maybe the first week of August okay. and we pack all of the stuff into those weeks. Really? Mm-hmm. So we've only got how much more left? I mean, I'm like not the mathematician. Two, I graduated. Two, two and a half, three weeks? Three weeks left. There. Yep. And it's, it depends on the lavender. You know, last year I held a um, anything that you could pick, anything you could haul away for donations. Really? We had people with laundry baskets just hauling lavender out of here and I was... Happy to do that. I'm hoping to do it again this year. Kylie Wongrowski, I know you're going to get busy right here. I see there's a lot filling up. And I know you've got to go Hold ahead on and pay one second before you get there. Scott's going to chew me out again. No, Where no, am I no, going? No. So, 
Oh, there's a so. There's probably a drinking game. How many times does Scott say so as they listen? There's Charlotte. She's right on. Yeah, now she's on your microphone. She's on your microphone checking you oh, out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Blow her off. Oh, sh- <laughs> anyway. So I, that was a spider. Mike, Mike's like, well, when I told him about coming out here, he's like, well, how'd you come up with this idea? How'd you come up with this idea? And I said, one of my friends was out here. I saw their post on Facebook and I said, cha-ching, what a great idea. Let's call them up, see what's out there. Local. Yes. Kylie says, oh, and I said, I explained who I was, where I was from. And she goes, oh, this is a total coincidence, everybody. She goes, oh, I bought my first lavender plants at your store. In Perrysburg. I did. Black, Black Diamond. Diamond. Yeah, our it's sponsor. True. They were very helpful. The person that helped me at the, at the store, like, me. Yeah. Walked, me, <laughs> yeah. walked me through you know, the, and answered all my questions, took a number of phone calls. They were wonderful. It was probably me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not it. But I'm so modest, I won't, I won't <laughs> indulge. But this is absolutely fun. This yeah. is a beautiful location. I mean, you know, if you're going to try to build one of these, do it. Look these guys up and see what they've done. Yeah, uh, this is beautiful. Excellent. Thanks for talking to us. Highly Hopefully thank we've you. educated some people here, and and uh, this is really cool. We're going to go thank take you. some pictures. All right, well, did you, we did you get, get your hair cut and brush your teeth? You're not going to take any pictures of me. Oh, yes, I you am. You can smell my breath? <laughs> yes. Uh, then I need more gum. <laughs> Kylie, thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you, Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, guys and gals and whomever's listening, whether it's Gus, get off the couch. Um, that's my Labrador. Yeah, we're going to uh, say see you later. What are we going to do we next, We are going to say see you later. How are we going to do this? We're going to say good night to everybody? We're going to say good night, Gracie. Okay, good night, Gus. See you later. Thanks, Kylie. Thanks for listening to your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.